0: Welcome to the Unqualified Scholar. My name is Todd. I'm here with my friend Alyssa, and we are here to talk about something I am not qualified to talk about, at least to start off with. So <laughs> what's, uh, what's on the agenda for this morning?
1: What is, the only, uh, what is the only food, only edible food that never goes bad, which I think that's...
0: The only edible food that never goes... So is it something from McDonald's? No. Twinkies. No. According to Tallahassee in Zombie Land, Twinkies <laughs> do have an expiration date. That's uh, I rewatched that a little bit yesterday. So um, the only food that never expires. Correct. Like, like, like never. Never goes bad. Never goes bad. <clears throat> the only food. Like, does that assume proper storage? The only food that never goes bad. I'm gonna say. Mm, like, what do you mean by "goes bad"? That's I, I need some qualificators here.
1: That's just the question. That's just the question. That's just, that's, just uh, the question.
0: <clears throat> okay, so here's here's where I'm thinking, like something in the nut or root variety, right? No. No. Oh.
1: It is. I mean, it's something that you can keep in your pantry, but it's not
0: a nut or a root. It's not a nut or a root. And I, I would think that, but see, then when we think about going bad. <clears throat> Like I think about a potato, right? Mm-hmm. And the great potato famine was caused by like some microorganism in the potatoes. The potatoes went right. bad, um, so it's not potatoes. Would it go bad because people never eat it? Not go bad because people never eat it. It's not really a food like fish.
1: I mean, you don't eat it like fish. No,
0: well, I don't eat fish at all. <laughs> the only food that doesn't go bad. I I know very little about mm-hmm. culinary science. I, I don't know. I, I I don't know. You stumped me.
1: According to the Trivia website that I got this from, it is yes. honey. Honey.
0: Oh, dang it. I should have known that one. <laughs> I, and I should have known that one for this reason, because some corpses used to be preserved in honey. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I think that's probably more of an Asian thing now that I'm thinking about it. Wow. Oh, I missed that. Trivia website, you got me again. Yeah, no, there's um, a whole like Greek mythology
1: story about honey and how honeybees got their stinger.
0: Oh, too well. Go ahead.
1: Oh, I don't remember all of oh, it. Oh, all right. <laughs> Zeus was just upset because they had the audacity of asking to be uh, protected, and so he's like, "Fine, protect yourselves. You get a stinger,
0: but if you sting
1: somebody, you're going to die."
0: So, like an early version of the Second Amendment, you can shoot somebody, but then you might have to go to jail. Yep. All right, okay. So Zeus is pro Second Amendment. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> the other thing I remember about honey is that early jams and jellies, and I, I can't remember when I fell down this rabbit hole, It's was probably sermon preparation for something, but it used to be that they would take fruit and they would pour honey over it. Okay. And so that would preserve the fruit,
1: right? So then you would have like honey with that was infused with that yeah. fruit and there was chunks of, I mean, almost like, like a jello like, salad. Sounds like something
0: that you should do, right? Go home with a gallon of honey and a couple berries of your choice. And-
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. But no, we're, we're talking like hungry. fresh honey, not like the bear
0: honey. Fresh. Okay. Like, wait a minute. Fresh honey, not the bear honey. You
1: know, like in the store, you can like, get so
0: you get the store. Yeah, I know what you're it, talking a about. Little like there's bear. a little bear with the honey inside. Right. Okay. But
1: then there's also the honey that you get from like the farms. Okay. So it
0: has to be like farm honey.
1: I mean, I'm, I don't think the fresh bear ever the really bee?
0: goes bad either. Wouldn't but that be like pasteurized honey? Yes. Okay. But something I do know a little bit about is uh, the Roman Empire.
1: <clears throat> yes, we've discovered we discovered that talked last that week.
0: that last week, yeah. I thought about it a lot this week because we're, we're in the book of Romans. And um, one of the things that I, I really want for us as a church, and for you if you're listening and you're not part of the church, if you're a human being, I want this for you too, um, to, to read the book of Romans slowly and carefully for yourself. So, that you're thinking through uh, this detailed understanding of um, entering into a restored relationship with God. Because that's really what Paul is talking about. He kind of starts at zero and he leads people all the way through what it looks like to believe in Jesus, what it looks like to grow in your faith. Um, He answers some important questions and then he talks about like Christian service. Mm -hmm. And I think that like the end of Romans is easy because, well, easier, because it says, hey, go do good things. And so as Your a pastor, action. yeah, it, as a pastor, it would be easy to say, hey, just go do things. Uh-huh. Um, go do good things, right? Um, and we do that a little bit with the culture of honor, because the back part of Ephesians tells us what to do and what not to do. So Paul's typically writing theology at the front and then ethics at the back. And we tend to overemphasize ethics. But the theology is really important. You think that's because it's
1: easier to understand ethics than it is? Oh yeah,
0: sure. Theology? Hey, stop it! That that's ethics, right? <laughs> and how do we deal with children? How do you could say stop! Deal with kids? Hey, stop. Um, don't do that. But then after you say that, don't do that, you might back up and say, mm-hmm. "Hey, this is a bad choice because you know dogs bite, fire burns, right? Cliffs, gravity. The whole th- everything <laughs> has to be explained to the child." Paul starts with the theological explanation, then he leads to the ethics, but it's just easier to tell people to stop doing things. Mm-hmm. And so in the book of Romans, as you, as you open it up and see on the page, it starts with the word Paul. Now, this, this threw everybody last night at Bible study because I said, What's the first word in the book of Romans? And somebody said, I. <clears throat> because some translations will translate uh-huh. the Greek with, like, trying to help identify I, Paul, Paul is the author um but change it from what third person to first person uh yeah well just just by like making it more clear that paul is the guy who is uh writing so um this is the esv this is the niv this is the original greek here and they all start with just paul and that was where i was trying to get to and so from there you can ask a question who's paul who's paul okay why why should i listen to anything that paul has to say well i'm glad you asked the question Because uh, Paul is actually, um, like, ethnically Jewish. He is a Jewish person. And by the time he writes Romans, he has converted to Christianity. But he didn't start there. He started as a very observant Jew. And his family lived in the city of Tarsus. Okay, so now we have Paul, Jew, Tarsus. You could look up any of those words in a dictionary. But let's just look at the word uh, Tarsus in the Dictionary of New Testament Background. And I'm only going to give you the first sentence of this long article, (laughs) if I can find the front of it. Come on now. Tarsus. Okay, so this is uh, an explanation of something. It says, Tarsus was well known for its philosophical and rhetorical schools, but it catered only to native pupils. Foreigners were not attracted to it. And even those completed their education, and even these completed their education in other cities, with most of them never returning to their native city. Okay, this is the the reference source, Strabo, Geographic something, uh, and it gives a citation. So there is an ancient description of the city of Tarsus, and this is how it's described. It's known for philosophy and rhetoric. Philosophy is um, just thinking about the world. Uh, Philosophy and theology are related. Philosophy starts with nothing, the natural Mm -hmm. world, and thinks about the world. Theology starts with God and thinks about the natural world, God, uh, the relationship that we have to God, all those kind of things. So philosophy and theology are kind of uh, cousins there. Okay. Um, This is the city that Paul grew up in. So he was surrounded by educated people. Mm -hmm. We know from other places, and and maybe even he was part of this uh, philosophical schools, maybe he even attended. Rhetoric is public exposition of something so um, okay. someone who was a public speaker and this uh-huh. was important in the Roman Empire. So if you could speak in public, you could get a position in the Roman Empire and you could do well for yourself. Right. So you would go to these schools to learn the the forms and the formal aspects of both philosophy and rhetoric. Now we don't know. The Bible doesn't say that Paul was educated in these schools. Mm-hmm. We just know that he grew up in the city.
1: In and around, yeah.
0: Yeah. So he was in and around like It's kind of like when, um, you know, how do you want to do well for your kids? How do you want your kids to grow up well? Well, if your household is known for books, Mm -hmm. then they may not pick the books up, but they have the opportunity Yeah. where if they had a home with no books, they wouldn't have the opportunity.
1: Or growing up in a farm community. I don't farm. I don't do anything like that, but I know a little bit about it.
0: Yeah. You at least know, okay, this is like, you know, the seasons, right? right? We talk about the wheat coming in and...
1: Know when the soybeans
0: are going to be... Yeah, the soybeans are getting ready.
1: Get cut. And yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So, okay. So, Paul grew up in this city and his family was a family of tent makers. Okay. okay. So, <clears throat> when Paul needed money, he had a trade. He could make tents. Now He was
1: not a fisherman.
0: He was not a fisherman, okay. no. He probably, uh, like when he was a child, his first education would have been, you know, with his mom... And his mom would have told him the Bible stories. Mm-hmm. And his mom would have put him to work as soon as he was able. Hey, take this over to your dad. Take this over mm-hmm. to your uncle. Take this and go do this. So mm-hmm. He's working in the industry from the moment he can start moving around. Yeah, He's always around tent makers and tent making. And they're showing him because they're mm-hmm. expecting um, <clears throat> he's going to be responsible for the family business one day, or he's at least going to participate.
1: He's going to be a tent maker.
0: He's going to be a tent maker, right? But also, these people were observant Jews, okay? So at night after they've made the tents, they talk about the Bible. They talk about the stories of the Bible. They rehearse the histories of the Bible. Mm -hmm. And they had very highly trained memories, okay? So like where we write things down, they remembered things. Mm -hmm. Because paper wasn't really a thing. It was very expensive. Right. Um, A lot of times, so uh, ceramics, pots, were just omnipresent in the culture. Huge pots where mm-hmm. you would store everything. And those pots had a limited life cycle. And when they broke, the fragments of pottery, that was what you would write on. gotcha Because it was cheap, it was available, and you couldn't do anything else with it. Mm-hmm. So as Paul grew up, what they realized is that he showed promise, academic promise. And they're like, hey, this is a pretty smart kid. What are we going to do with him? Mm-hmm. Well, we could send him to Jerusalem where he could study under the rabbis and he could become a rabbi. Mm-hmm. So like your religious and theological education for these Jewish people was really kind of their side hustle. Mm-hmm. Okay, So they had their main job of the day, making tents. They had a side hustle in the evening. Paul shows promise. They sort of flipped the script. He can be a rabbi and that can be his day job. And if he needs to make a little extra money on the side, he can make tents. Win-win, right? Yeah. So I mean and that's you know <clears throat> what's my career path. If I don't do this I have to go drive big trucks. That's mm-hmm. traits, right? So he's sent to Jerusalem to study and in Acts 22 you see he sort of describes his um, he sort of describes his background a little bit here. We're going to look at a couple texts where Paul describes his life 22:3 <clears throat> I am a Jew Born in Tarsus in Cilicia, but brought up in this city, Jerusalem, educated Mm -hmm. at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, as all of you are this day. I persecuted this way Christianity to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women, as the high priest and the whole council of elders can bear me witness. From them I received um, letters. The brothers and I journeyed toward Damascus to take those who were there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. And so Paul is just describing a little bit, he's talking to the Jewish council. He's actually on trial at this point. He's on trial for his conversion to Christianity, and he's become a Christian. Mm-hmm. So the Jewish people would view him as apostate. Okay. Apostate means that you have left something. Yeah. Right? You have left your former way of life, you have left the faith. <clears throat> apostasy is a big question in New Testament theology because can a person who has believed the gospel become apostate? Can they leave the faith? Oh. And different theologians handle this differently. Um, I know a guy, uh, used to be in Christian service, a uh, great guy, liked uh-huh. him. Everybody liked him. Uh, married, kids, decided he didn't want to be a Christian anymore. Left his wife. Uh, his kids don't really have anything to do with him. And he just went off the deep end. You know, he mm-hmm. is doing the kinds of things that are um, just not appropriate for Christians to do. And so not appropriate for anybody to do. Anybody would look at the way that he's living his life and say, this is not really, this is not good. This is not right. Mm-hmm. So um, Paul is uh, a zealous uh, person. And as a Jew, he learned the law he knew the law, and he attempted to, like, his his view of Christianity at first is they were the apostates, not him. Right. And so he's chasing people down. And You can see that. So that's Acts 22. Um, and let's talk about a little bit about Paul's conversion. So he's going to actually, 22 actually works for that, I think. <clears throat> so this is a different account. We talked about Acts 9 in church, but we'll talk about Acts 22. As I was on my way and drew near to Damascus, at about noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me. And I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I didn't say this before. Let me say it now. So Saul is the name that Paul uses in Hebrew company. Okay. Okay. Paul is the name that he uses in Gentile company. Okay. So same guy, always used those two names through his whole life. But as he becomes the apostle to the Gentiles, mm-hmm. he goes by Paul.
1: Is there a re, like? Is there a significance to the name Paul of why he, or a significance to the name Saul that he kept it separate? Or I, I don't, we don't think really so. know.
0: <clears throat> I don't think that there's a real significance okay. apart from how it hits the ear in different company. Mm. Is that somebody knocking at the door? So I think some people would attach significance to Paul changing his name, using the name Paul. And maybe Paul even attached some significance to that uh-huh. because when he comes to view his life as, as he is the apostle to the Gentiles. <clears throat> so, on the way to Damascus, I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, who are you, Lord? Now, the word Lord can mean sir. And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Now those who were with me saw the light, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? It seems like Jesus got his attention.
1: And yeah.
0: And the Lord said to me, Rise and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all that is appointed for you to do. And since I could not see because of the brightness of the light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. So he spent three days there blind. And... Blindness in Paul's understanding would be judgment. People walked around the ancient world, and if you were blind, then you can go um, look at this in the blind man in John 9. Um, when when peop- The way that people viewed the eye in the ancient world is that it was not a receptor of light. It projected sight into the world. Okay. Okay? So if you had a clean soul then that clean soul would come out with good vision. Mm. Okay, sort of like you're actively perceiving the world almost like flashlights, okay? okay? Now, that's that's a very crude comparison, right? <laughs> but <clears throat> Paul would view this as a problem inside his person, a problem inside his soul, as judgment.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So have you ever experienced like three days worth of judgment?
1: No, 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 probably well, not. Wouldn't that
0: be like... Like being really, really wrong. You ever been mad at your husband for three days? No. He's such a good guy. How can you be mad at him? He's a great peacemaker. <clears throat> we learned long ago to handle things quickly. Mm-hmm. Okay. I would rather be right with my wife than sleep mad. Right. Because I don't sleep Well, bad. that's
1: what everybody says. When you get married, don't go to bed angry, don't right? Don't go to
0: bed angry, so for three days, Paul is feeling this judgment. And so um, Acts twenty two twelve And one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, well spoken of by all Jews who lived there, came to me and standing by me said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very hour I received my sight and saw him. And he said, The God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one and to hear a voice from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. And now, why do you wait? rise and be baptized wash away your sins calling on his name when i returned to jerusalem and was praying in the temple um yeah okay that's different so paul is explaining his conversion to a group of jewish people who have him kind of in court mm-hmm. and he's got to give an answer for what he believes and why he believes it and so he tells the story just like it's recorded in acts 9 he adds some things here okay okay the explanation from ananias to him is added The Bible doesn't always record everything Mm -hmm. in a specific event. It tells you what you need to know because paper, actually animal skins, very expensive. Right. So some things get condensed and then added to from oral tradition. So Paul just takes something that was happened at the time. Right. He inserts it here and he does it in a way so that the Jewish people will kind of understand. He's like, look, I'm not, I'm not un-Jewish, right? Mm -hmm. I am Jewish. I'm just a Jewish follower of Jesus, Right. And that's really incredible for Paul because what he's what he's really saying is, look, I'm still following the God of our fathers. I'm still obedient. I'm still passionate. I'm mm-hmm. still enthusiastic about following the God of our fathers because the Jewish people would view him as apostate and they would try to kill him. Right. This is actually, I think, after he gets um, word <clears throat> um, that they're going to come and get him. So... He, and I think that's so significant, right? Like what, what threat is there to your life as a Christian? Mm, there's not really like nobody's going to like, not in America, no. Northwest Ohio, there are not roving bands of people who are going to jump you in an alley and no, beat all. you because you believe in Jesus, right? That's not going to happen. No. That was the thing. That was a thing for Paul. Right. And so he had to be on his guard all the time for religious persecution. Mm-hmm. And yet still, he is this passionate guy who has to share the gospel, who has to go out. And so when you look at um, at that, let's go over to Galatians and we'll look at Galatians real quick. Because all of these things are just, like Paul's fascinating. There's books written about him. Just one or two? Uh, many. <laughs> <clears throat> I only have one or two. Okay. The computer just isn't liking me right now. <laughs> okay, I'll <do> that. <clears throat> okay. So, this is Paul. He's writing to a church in Galatia. So he's okay. writing to a group of people who are mixed Jewish Gentile, um, and he's he's explaining, you know, some of who he is as a person, what he's done. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. Mm-hmm. So he's pointing very clearly to this is the divine origin. God did this, not not my doing. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people, so extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my father's. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me, in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. When Paul got converted, when Paul realized that Jesus is the Jewish Messiah, the continuation of the historical Jewish faith, Uh he started telling people. He immediately, like... (laughs) When the scales fell off his eyes in Damascus, he's like, I got to go tell people about this. And to me, that's just like, like, I don't know if that's something that is like it just in him as a person. Mm-hmm. Like, is he just that kind of guy? It sounds like a difficult guy to work
1: for. Yeah.
0: Or a Difficult guy to be around because he's yeah. just so passionate. <laughs> but here he is. He's He goes out and Acts tells us that he goes out immediately started talking to people about Jesus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas, that's Peter, and remained with him 15 days. So now he's interacting with the apostolic circle. So the apostles are the the 12 followers of Jesus Mm -hmm. who represent the 12 tribes of Israel, who become the apostles. The apostles are the authoritative leadership of the church. Correct. Because the Bible wasn't written yet. Okay. Mm -hmm. So they had the Old Testament, but not the New Testament. So you had these men who knew Jesus, had seen Jesus, had worked with and walked with Jesus. They're the ones who are passing on the legitimate Jesus tradition to the next generation, and that's where we get the writings of the New Testament. I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. In what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy, and they glorified God because of me. So in Galatians, Paul is giving part of his resume that he as a person used to be, he used to be completely opposed to Christianity. Right. And then the experience that he had turned him from from like an anti-Christian zealot to an enthusiastic apostle of Jesus Christ. Right. And so as the book of Romans goes on, you know, you have the word Paul, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. He identifies his master right out of the gate. Mm -hmm. Jesus is my master. I'm here on my master's business. And if you go back to Matthew, the Great Commission, what does Jesus say? All authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. Mm -hmm. So in Paul's conception of who he is as a person, he's here for the greatest authority ever. So he doesn't care about the Roman Empire.
1: Right.
0: He doesn't care about the Jewish hierarchy. Mm -hmm. He's here because he is a servant of Jesus Christ. And he'll take beatings for it. He'll suffer shipwreck for it. He'll do anything that he needs to do to advance the mission of the church. Paul's been called the second founder of Christianity. Not, mm, I twitch a little bit. (laughs) Called to be an apostle. An apostle has, um, that's his official um, setting within that group of 12 people. So he is an authoritative Uh, person in that group. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's the way that he views himself. That's the way the church should view him. Now there's a different use of the word apostle. An apostle is one who is sent with a message. So in the modern church, missionaries are occupying um, a function of apostleship when they go plant churches. Okay, They don't have the same level of authority that Paul has, at least not in our tradition, but they do take the message to new places. And then Paul says he's set apart for the gospel of God, and I think that's where you know we as a church uh, we have a, a vision twenty twenty five statement set of statements, and all of them are important, but we pretty consistently come back to the first the first priority is to introduce people to Jesus, right? And so the theme of this week's message was driven by the gospel. Paul is driven by the gospel, and I think that for us as a church we need to, and for you as a as a Christian if you're a follower of Jesus. You need to be driven by the gospel that may not lead you to go to Rome and plant churches or to uh, suffer imprisonment or to, you know, shipwreck beatings, arrests, all those kind of things. Yeah. But certainly we can run the risk of a little embarrassment. Right. And uh, maybe even, I don't know, maybe our employer will call us into HR for a meeting. Mm. That would be terrifying. Still not a beating. Right. Right. Could be a risk to your income. Yeah. I remember one time I was uh, I was called into my safety department. So I used to be a truck driver, right? Right. And um, I worked for a company that was very high on like accountability and I had damaged one of my tarps. So you have to go. Uh, actually, I was late for, I was 15 minutes late for a ridiculous appointment. Anyway, <laughs> had to go talk to safety, told them about, hey, I messed up my tarp. Can I get a new one? Feel, you know, bill me if you have to. And then, like, for some reason, he just started a conversation with me. Hmm. He said, so where are you from? What are you about? What are you doing? Well, I just graduated seminary. I'm back at work, you know. And he started talking about our kids. And he had a troubled son. And I said, you you have any church background? And that, like, launched into an hour-long conversation with my safety director. Who can fire me Mm. about Jesus? Yeah and you know and he didn't fall over and convert he actually believed more in mermaids <laughs> than he did in what he called jewish fairy tales and i'm like this is not jewish fairy tales man this is like history right this is good history yeah and um yeah i just i just felt like okay if i'm going to get fired i'm going to get fired for the right reason not mm-hmm. for messing up my tarp not for being late for an appointment i'm going to be you know in trouble for jesus and you know in the middle of it i just remember praying okay lord whatever you know let's, let's just go with it
1: yeah
0: hour-long conversation good conversation but um and who knows i'm not sure where he's at today mm. hopefully he's uh he's doing the right thing and going the right direction so i that's about all i have okay for today we we thought about the roman empire
1: yes we did we talked about it a little
0: bit so bummed i didn't get honey i'm gonna i'm gonna do some more looking. okay i'm gonna come back see later. if you can debunk it no, I don't think we can debunk it. I mean, never goes bad. It's never a long time.
1: Yeah, because you can use it even in, when it solidifies, because then you can just melt it back down.
0: I have to move I have to know more.